On this Father's Day, I can, uh, can't help but reflect on my own experiences as a father. It's so humbling to realize that God has entrusted me with the very undeserved privilege of being a father and, of course, being a grandfather. Now, before you're impressed by the fact that I have 21 grandchildren, keep in mind that number 22 is due in October. (laughs) And number 23 in January. So, my daughters are pregnant together, kind of neat. There's a lot of stories and feelings that I could share from uh, my children's infancy and childhood and teen years and adult lives. But on this day, one of them stands out more than any of the others. How could anything equal being there at the very moment of birth for all six of our children? Now age 42, 41, 39, 37, 35, and 30. And the thing that never ceases to amaze me is I realize that at the moment of their birth, they each exhibited the same personalities they have today. At the moment of birth. But why not? They're still the same people. Reflect for a moment on your own life, whether you're 8 or 108. Call to mind your childhood, your teen years, and your early adulthood, and your senior years. Think about what you did and what you felt and how you looked at the world. And you realize that you're the same person that you always were. Well, today, Jesus teaches us about beginnings and about growth. The kingdom of God, the Lord says, is like a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky may dwell in its shade. Notice something. The plant remains the same. It doesn't eventually become an oak tree. It's faithful to its nature. It's true to its form. Although it grows just as a child grows into an adult. Now we all know that the kingdom of God will not reach its fulfillment until the end of time. We know that. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here on earth, it is the church that is the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God. And how wonderfully this parable explains the church. This parable, in fact, helps us to understand the creed, for it clearly expresses the meaning behind the phrase that we pray every Sunday, I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. One because the tree is one, and not many, one among many options. The church is holy, for it provides for those who dwell within it, just as the birds find shelter in the tree. It is Catholic, the word means universal, for all the nations are invited into the shade of its branches. And it's apostolic, because its nature and its personality, if you will, remains the same as its founder, the Lord Jesus Christ, its planter, intended. It does not become a different kind of tree, but becomes fully mature and remains true to its nature. And here's the key to understanding what it means when we say the church is apostolic. We automatically say those words, but do we really get them? I think the basic explanation I always heard 
as to what this phrase meant was that the church went back to the apostles and we still had apostolic succession. That's very true, but kind of weak. It's half an explanation. Because couldn't any church claim that in some way or another they went back to the apostles? Why bother with a phrase at all? And here's where the mustard seed parable helps. To say the church is apostolic is like saying the mustard seed is still the same plant, the same reality, the same life force as when it first sprouted. In fact, it is the same as it was when it still was a tiny seed. Just as each one of you was once the size of a mustard seed in your mother's womb. And it's the same person that you are today. This does not change or mutate into something else. It grows and it spreads its branches. It welcomes all of the birds of the air. It's not cut down and uprooted and replaced by something better, a new and improved, more modern model. No, there is no option of simply planting another one with a new and better programs and practices and procedures because the church must be faithful to its nature. And a newly created church would not be the one that was founded by Jesus. When we profess our faith in the apostolic church, we're saying that we believe with the gift of divine faith within our souls that the church founded by Christ on the rock of Peter as the head of the apostles is still here and faithful and that we accept and believe and practice all that has been handed down to us. We might have some disagreements with a particular pope or bishop or pastor, for example, over a pastoral decision. We may not like parishes being closed, clustered, clustered and merged. We might wish that our parish or our diocese had more and better opportunities for education and spiritual development and fellowship and service. But the faith, the moral teachings, the apostolic structure of church order, the reality of the sacraments, the promise of Christ, that he would be with us always, these things endure. These things prove the church to truly be apostolic. Of course, these things can be better expressed and explained and practiced and should be. But in the end, they are the non-negotiables. We cannot decide that marriage is just one lifestyle choice among others, that the Eucharist is merely a fellowship meal, that the church should change and be a democracy, that the moral law should be adapted to the, uh, the trends of the day, that we can play God with human life. For if we do, we're hanging out in the wrong tree, not the one that Jesus planted. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The kingdom is at hand, not fully realized, but visible even now in the church, in the church that teaches us infallibly and guides us in the moral life, in the church that almost alone, almost alone in our present age, defends our life while we are yet in the womb. The church welcomes us to the baptismal font, feeds us at this holy table, pardons us in the confessional, confirms us in the power of the Holy Spirit, blesses us as we answer the call to married life, to priesthood, to the diaconate, to the religious life, anoints us when we are gravely ill 
and continues to pray for us even after we go from this world to the next. Already this day, at this Mass, the Lord has already come to you in his holy word. In a few moments he'll come to you in his holy meal that only he can give. Only he can give because that meal is his very self, his body and his blood. And as you receive Jesus today, take a few moments to thank him for calling you to him in his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. How much we have to be thankful for. How true and powerful are the words of our psalm today. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. 